Hello, and welcome to SCP Talks, a series of conversations with academics, authors, and public intellectuals. I'm William Clouston, leader of the Social Democratic Party. My guest today is co-host of the Trigonometry podcast, Constant and Kissing. We discuss his new book, An Immigrant's Love Letter to the West, and his backstory in Russia. Do we in the West take our freedom, prosperity, and culture for granted? And how can we deal with the new threats to free speech? Enjoy the show. Do we in the West take our freedoms, our prosperity, and our culture for granted? Yes. To discuss this <laughs> is my very special guest, uh, trigonometry co-host and author of a new book called An Immigrant's Love Letter to the West, Constant Kissing. Welcome. Thanks for having me, William. Uh, right. Now I know what all Vladimir Putin visitors feel like at the end of this long table that you've got we, here. We would have got a longer table. We yeah. couldn't afford it. <laughs> yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's so bizarre. So a wonderful book. Uh, by the way, that is the book. And Constance just signed it for me. That's very kind. Um, so the basic idea is that some people love the West. Mm. And curiously, some people hate it. A lot of people hate it, don't they? Uh, and I think partly the reason for that is uh, that they haven't got a comparison. They haven't made the comparison. You have the comparison mm. because you have a backstory that isn't here. So can you tell us a little bit about that? I can do. What I would say before I do, though, is that I, I think that there are some people who genuinely hate the West, and I don't think my book's really for them because I don't think they'll be persuaded otherwise. Mm. Uh, the people I was trying to reach uh, is the people who, like you say, don't necessarily hate the West. They just they never had an opportunity to compare it with anything else. They, we take for granted what we have. We all do in our own lives as well. Mm. And it's them that I'm trying to reach out to because I don't think they actually do hate the West. I think they just don't appreciate what they have and they're willing to trade away things that are perhaps not worth trading away. Yeah, I think, this, I think broad, if you want to be very crude about it, there are two categories of people. Some people are just wrong. They just don't know how the world works. They mm. want to get out more. I mm. think that's the category probably that you're looking at and you want to tell them how it is or enlighten them in some way. Um, there is a category that no, but still uh, kick out against the West, despite mm. the fact that they know. So we'll deal with that in a second. Mm. But anyway, your backstory is key to this, I think, in the book, because you, have, you, you were born elsewhere and you have a perfect opportunity to compare where you were born and the culture that you're from mm. to the culture that you came to uh, when you were younger. So can you tell, I mean, a lot of SCP, a lot of us know you, who you are, but yeah. tell, tell us anyway. Well, the, the, the short summary of it is I was born in the tail end of the Soviet Union mm. uh, and so I grew up in what at that point was probably not a totalitarian society but certainly very authoritarian. Uh, I saw members of my own family persecuted during my lifetime for, uh, for saying the wrong thing or making a comment in private and things like that. So I saw uh, what happens in societies where you're not allowed to speak your mind and that was always very important to me. And then even more interestingly, perhaps, I saw the Soviet Union collapse mm. and society, society change overnight. This is something mm. people in the West can't imagine happening. Mm. Uh, but if you've seen... The, the, by the way, this, you talk about a reality check in the book. Mm. What we're going through just now, we're recording this in, in August. We're going to have a hell of a winter. Yeah. The gas could shut off. That could be a reality check for us. I mean, reality checks do occur even for us, I think. Yeah, they do. Uh, the thing is, what I witnessed with my eyes was far more profound. Different scale. Yeah, different, yeah. different quality too, because it wasn't just a case of, you know, 
really poor people really struggled and the rich sort of you know had to pay an extra couple of grand a year for heating mm. it was like the rich became the poor and the poor became the rich and the criminals became the powerful and 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 on and on and on so it was a time in which i saw rapid almost instant transformation of a society uh, and all the things that come with that mm. the the rampant crime the drugs prostitute all of that uh, on the one hand and on the other hand of course i grew up in a family in which like almost every soviet family really the, you know, you you would hear tales of your parents and grandparents' experiences and uh, what happened to, to them. You know, just as an example, one of the things I talk about in the book is my grandmother who was born in a gulag. Mm. <clears throat> and she uh, she's alive today. She lives in Bristol. You can go and talk to her. Mm. She was born in a Soviet concentration camp for people who had the wrong opinion. Living memory. Living memory. Yeah. Uh, you know, my other grandmother, she... Uh, and I feel, you know, so sorry for her right now because she lives in Ukraine mm. uh, and she lived through the Nazi occupation. Mm. You know, of course, the, the World War II had a tr tremendous effect on Britain and many, many thousands of people lost their lives. But it was different in the mm. Soviet Union, mm. living through an, an occupation by one of the most evil regimes in history. Uh, and then the Nazis, <laughs> you know, that, that's, yeah. that's what they yeah. went through. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of appreciate the, the, the different histories of the different parts of the world. And I think that's also another thing. It's not just that we've lost an ability to understand ourselves in comparison to other parts of the world mm. in the West. We also have become so ignorant of history that we literally don't remember what was the case until two minutes ago. We, and so we can't be grateful for what we have now. Yeah, we don't. And so many people in the West, we are sort of costed. I know people travel, most people travel in Europe and they go on holiday, it's all nice. But, but actually, a lot of the world doesn't live like that. I mean, if, you, if, you've, if you're well-traveled in South, Southeast Asia, a lot of it's growing very quickly, but a lot of it's still very challenging. Africa, I've been to all parts, you know, mm. not all countries, but all all parts, and uh, it's a completely different situation. Mm. It's, it's fascinating. You, you say, you talk about living memory as well. Uh, you know, in, in, in living memory, uh, some of those states had slavery, still had slavery, still, slavery still operated. So, you know, this is, we take a huge amount for granted. So yeah, I think the book in terms of trying to correct that, for the, for the good faith people, mm. that just you're trying to say, well actually just widen your lens a little bit and see how things are, be a little bit more happy about what you've got. I think it's I think it's very useful. Uh, what I'm probably not as optimistic uh, about is is the fact that I think there are people who are aware of how the world is, but still want to kick out of the West, and that's a different thing. That's just basic unfairness. You say, you know, uh, basically there's a lot of judging us by different standards to other people. Mm -hmm. Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah. Well, I think you're right that those people do exist, and I, I don't know that they even necessarily do understand very well what they're talking about. I think a lot of it is we've created a society with perverse incentives. Yeah. Uh, we've created a society in which heroism, restraint, courage, uh, speaking the truth. These the are things all, that Aristotle said were virtues yes. but still are virtues. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. the things that we punish brutally mm. uh, by firing people, by denying them an opportunity to feed their family, by kicking them out of things by shaming them in public and so on. Uh, and equally, we've incentivized the very opposite things. We incentivize people who lie. We incentivize people who uh, present themselves as victims. We incentivize people who misrepresent the history of this country. Uh, we incentivize people to talk down this country. But that is so common. I mean, that, that's what I find. I mean, it's, you know, you, time after time, you, you, you open the papers and you look at the culture and you, there's another angle that they're using uh, you know, the, a recent one this week was Tom Daly, who's mm -hmm. a good 
uh, you know, intentioned person trying to, you know, bring LGBT rights uh, into into the fore in the through the Commonwealth Games. He's travelling around to Pakistan and doing interviews. The BBC put a little clip out of his interview with a guy was saying, well, what's the origin of this hatred? And it turns out, according to this account, that it's uh, a British colonial law. <laughs> I mean, can, can, sorry, sorry, <laughs> mate. But, you know, I mean, he's, 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 he's good, good, good-hearted. I mean, he's, he is well-intentioned. Well, but this is he my thinks, point. But if he thinks, and the BBC put this out, out constantly, mm. uh, you know, and, and, and if he thinks that people are getting thrown off buildings in the Middle East because of a colonial law mm. and not anything to do, it's so, it's actually so insulting. It is insulting, and this is why I say that I don't think I don't think a lot of the people who are doing this are doing it necessarily on purpose. I think we've created incentive structures, and, and you know this very well. P- human beings respond to incentives. If you incentivize people to uh, say these things, then people will say these things even if they don't know anything about the history of that particular issue, which I don't think uh, Tom Daly does. But as I say, we've created a society in which we incentivize victimhood. Mm. We incentivize. Uh, deceit, we incentivize dishonesty, uh, we incentivize ignorance about history. It's much mm-hmm. better to, to, to go out and talk about how you know, the West's history of slavery is uniquely bad and evil and we're all terrible, uh, even though completely historically Well, abolition, abolition is quite unique. Yeah, it's, it's quite important that <laughs> yeah. the, the West is the one place that's actually ended slavery unlike mm-hmm. everywhere else. But we don't want to talk about that because mm-hmm. if you do that, speaking that truth, is disincentivized. Whereas if you put someone on TV on Good Morning Britain at eight in the morning to talk about how they still suffer from the legacy of slavery, even though she's the, the granddaughter of a Nigerian prince, then yeah, then then you will get the clicks and you. And this is you know this is well, where you get the prestige. I think part of the part of the issue is that uh, you know some commentators are pretty good. Ed West is very good on this, mm-hmm. I think, uh, and just saying that what this is is it's mutated into a, just basically a, a, a game, a status game. So it's 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 a, all these all these uh, all these signals, all these prognostications on these issues, are basically uh, middle class status appropriators. I, I I appropriate. I set my status by saying how nice I am, by saying how bad my own country is. Yes, exactly. And and the thing is, it was ever thus. I think particularly in Britain, you know, Bloomsbury uh, Group. Yes. However. What we have uh, now is much more powerful technology to disseminate the message. Um, and you know, television at its peak, you know, it, I think television is on its way out now, but at its peak it was a very powerful technology. And what happened, I think, as the power of television started to wane with the creation of social media, YouTube and all of these things, mm. the, the big companies and the newspapers uh, that still wanted to cling on to that power and to that financial clout, they felt that the only way to hold on was to do more and more clickbait, was to do more and yeah, more no. of this sort of debate. Well, yeah, it's yeah. not really a debate. Yeah, There's yeah. no conversation happening at all. And that, I think, where a lot of this is, where a lot of this stuff is coming from, it's from the fact that the TV uh, channels and the newspapers, they're spreading this particular way of looking at the world because they know that that's what gets people to click or sure, to and watch sell more advertising. Yeah, and, and algorithms. I get all that, but it's it, it's still a bit more profound. Isn't it? I mean, by the way, on, on social media, I, I do Twitter because I have to, mm. part of my job. Yeah. I don't actually, I'm not sure I'd be on it if I wasn't doing yeah. my job. Uh, and I never, I, I occasionally share information, but I never, I never debate with people. I don't think anyone has ever, has anyone ever been persuaded 
on Twitter and say, actually, it's a good point you make. I, yeah, I accept that. I think you're right. It I do that happen. sometimes. I try to model it every now and again. Yeah, uh, but, but it's it, difficult. It, it, it virtually never happens. So yeah. I, I don't actually start. What, what it is good at doing, and you have to accept this, is that it's good for convening people that broadly agree with you. And for yeah. us, actually, as a political party, it's been very yeah. good for that. So I can't knock it like, from that point of view. I just, think, I just think we're in a strange situation. I say to, we've got a lot of members uh, in, in, not a lot of members, but quite a few members who are academics and you know, professors and, and, and lecturers. And the university atmosphere is just just appalling. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's it's, a, it's Eric Kaufman's all over this. He's very very good, and so it is a chilling effect. Uh, you know, in the Brexit referendum, which is the mainstream position. I know you're a Remainer because you're a good person. I would, uh, I, we make that joke. I, was, I, I would never describe myself as a Remainer. And had yeah. I voted for yeah. Brexit, I never would have described myself as a Brexiteer. I yeah. didn't see that. I don't believe that voting a particular way in a referendum defines you, defines yeah. you yeah, as yeah. a human being. Yeah. Uh, I voted Remain. Um, I, I reflected on that in different conversations. Oh, quite a few SDP members did. I mean, it's not. It's, you can vote. It was very, very good yeah. arguments for both. So I, I'm, I, yeah. I, th I consider both Brexiteer and Remainer to be a toxic label, and I don't yeah. wish to. But, they, but the, anyway, the, but in the universities, it's very, very difficult because people, yeah. people used to, you know, uh, one of one of our, our friends, you know, pe academics would come up to him and say, "Look, you know, I agree, I agree with you, but I just can't say." So what, it, what what we had in the university in the academy was a situation where the mainstream position in the country, academics couldn't say to fellow academics. That's how how mm -hmm. bad it is there. Uh, mm -hmm. It's astonishing. So yeah, and, and it's it's slightly a paradox, isn't it? One of the one of the things about the obviously one of the pluses in the West, one of our uh, good traits is free speech, theoretically, mm -hmm. but we're losing it. So it's, it's a slight paradox, isn't it? You're, one of the things you don't, we we have a level of free speech which is far greater than many other people in the in the world, mm -hmm. and yet it's it's a sort of voluntary thing combined with pressure from being cancelled at, at work. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I, I would make a slight linguistic modification because I think it's important. It's not that we're losing it, it's that we're giving it away. Yeah. And this is the really important distinction because losing it sort of sounds like it's happening. Well, there is coercion. It. But there is coercion. I mean, the people. Oh, of so course. if you're. If you're, if you're uh, I've got a friend in, in a local authority in London mm. uh, who has been suspended from his job because he tweeted something about uh, the, the, the quantity of, of, of immigration. Yes. There's nothing to do with his job. Yeah. But that's how bad it is. So that's not, that's not voluntary from his point of view. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not saying that every individual who finds himself cancelled is giving free speech away. I'm saying, what are we not doing as a society that your friend finds himself in that position? Mm. And I think what we're not doing is we're not electing leaders who actually understand the importance of that. I mean, mm. that's why I was excited by the potential uh, election of Kemi Badenoch, because I did think that she understands these issues at least. Mm. I don't know, you know how good she is on other things, but on the cultural stuff, I think she's pretty sound. She's very good. She's yeah. really, really... I, I yeah. had the pleasure of speaking to her for about 20 minutes just before she announced her one-to-one mm. -one. and she yeah. wasn't looking over my shoulder she's very charming very yeah. good uh, you know I mean I, I don't know I don't know enough of I, I suspect she's not in favor of a mass state housing project or a, or a nationalization of the railways utilities so we may yeah. have differences yeah but uh, yeah she was very good I think the Tory party was was utterly nuts uh, for she potential stuff I but agree. that's a separate issue yeah, uh, yeah. but but my point is broadly is we have to embed understanding of the importance of free speech to our survival as a civilization frankly that's mm. that's what's on the line here and it's the it's the weak weaker parts of 
society that require free speech. It's not the powerful need. No. It's, they're, they're the ones that actually do the counselling. One little thing I wanted to, because this is a little anecdote, I read a piece for Spiked, I think, two, two years ago about this. Um, I was arguing it was becoming like some of the Iron Curtain countries. When I, I my first degree was planning, and I, one of my friends was a, a, a Polish guy, British Pole, but he went back to, to Poland, still lives there now. But he went back during uh, martial law when Jaroszelski was in mid 80s. Mm. And he said, Oh, would you want to come over? I said, Yeah, I'll come over. And it was difficult. I mean, it was, you know, you weren't really, you were bugged and watched everywhere. And he explained, he said, actually, truth in Poland at that time came in, in three categories, three things. Uh, he said, It's, it's private truth, which is public truth, which mm -hmm. is false. Everyone knows it's false. Anything that's published in the papers, broadly, everyone knows it's false. Then he said, There's something called, he described as workplace truth. Mm -hmm. It was trusted colleagues' work, but it's a little bit of a nuance, you know. Mm -hmm. so, you know. And then there's dinner table truth or fireside yes. truth, which yes. is the truth. So is that your experience of how literally people get used to having different categories of truth and saying different things? Oh, that, but that, that's exactly how it was in the Soviet Union. Of course, workplace truth was a lot closer to Pravda than it was yeah. to the kitchen table in the Soviet Union. Um, and uh, my grandfather, who criticised the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, with a couple of friends around the dinner table, actually, yeah. still was snitched on and eventually was forced to, to leave the country. Uh, thankfully, in those days, he wasn't you know, taken away and executed. Mm. Um, but I, I think that we all know that we live in that society here today. Mm. I mean, the But it's become, it's curious, because when, uh, this is the point I'm making. When I went in the 80s, I'm that old. <laughs> in the 80s, when I went, it was curious to me. Yes. That you had these, and it was very interesting seeing, you know, I say being followed everywhere, being bugged. You know, we stayed at the university, yeah. everything was bugged. Uh, it was a very interesting insight into a sort of, you know, totalitarian yeah. system. And, but, and yet, it sort of does exist here. I mean, people, people do, people don't feel free to speak freely at the no, work now. No, they don't. And, and uh, you, understandably so, for the reasons that you've given, particularly with your friend. What I am curious about, William, is uh, to, to sort of pro poke and prod a little bit with people who are more communitarian mm. in their approach, like you guys mm. at the SDP, is mm. how do you reconcile that? Because it does seem to me that a society that sort of wants to control more of your life or to be involved in more areas of your life will naturally lean towards more restrictions around speech. So how do you reconcile those two? What we're looking at is a broad, is a much broader question. It cuts across some of these things, but we think the the individualism, the, the sexual revolution. We we had we interviewed um, Louise, mm, uh, Louise Perry, day, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so, and I, I said to Louise that we've got a third. We used to have double liberalism from Goodhart, you know, social and economic liberalism, yes. rampant, runaway liberalism. Yes. Uh, now we've got a third one. So yeah, it's it's it, you just get hammered. So what people have forgotten about in the I we balance is the is the we. I think people have become very, very selfish and very, very individualistic. Mm. You're encouraged to pursue yourself and your own self-interest constantly, totally. Even a request from a politician like me that we should think about family life. Family life is the first place where you do something for other people. Totally. As soon as you're, you, you become a father, you know what this is like. Yes. It's absolutely profound. You, and love, is far more, that, that power is far more powerful than anything else in the universe. You would do anything for your children. Mm. So, and that is concern for others. These things, we've lost this. So what we're trying to do on, on, to re-establish re some form of, of us, of we in, in it, is just to, to balance it away from rights, constantly wanting your rights asserted, mm. to you, know, you actually have a duty to other people. You really do. And the, the, the loss of, in the West, the loss of religion, we are, we are like, a, you know, 
I'm, I'm a church guy, I'm not a believer, I can't be a believer. Uh, it'd be easier if I was, but I can't. Mm. But, the, but the loss of religion, you, 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 you have a society that's effectively orphaned and a bit lost and mm -hmm. floating around. So that's what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, but you've given me a politician's answer there because I asked you about free speech. Right. Well, no, but I, I don't think I. Because why, this, why this would duty you? point is really important because yeah. what happens is we go, well, you have a duty not to offend others or you have a duty to think about other people, not just about your right to speak freely. And this is often yeah, how you no, get I'm, 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 I'm a, I would, I would say I'm pretty much a free speech purist. You have the right to say, yeah. you have the right to offend people. You must, you know, yeah. and I think, and quite a few members, SCP members do. Rod, Rod Little, <laughs> Rod Little does no, it every week. No, I'm just, and it's actually, he's doing, he's actually doing a public service there because he's saying things that a lot of people want to say, yes. but really don't have the guts yes. to say. But the and reason I he, ask about it, it seems to me, at least I've been thinking about it sort of more philosophically. You think they're in conflict? You think the, the free speech thing is in conflict to the community? I think the reason we have moved away from the idea that free speech is, is really important is that we've moved in a direction where the government's job is to look after more and more areas of your life. And so it's the government's job to provide, quote unquote, safety from the opinions of others. I don't agree with you. No, I don't think that's right. I think the, I think the government's... Um, I think a lot, lots of aspects of life, the government's just left the field. So it doesn't feel... On housing, it doesn't feel an obligation to I do agree anything. With you. It's, yeah. it's, it, you know, look at the chaos, look at the pathetic chaos that they're in with the energy crisis. They go, mm. Oh, we want to. Sorry, mates, you, you've left this. The pricing yes. of this is is not in, under your control. You have nothing to do. With it. You're an observer. All the government can do, and all they will do, is offer trinkets and toss you a little bit of tax, uh, a little bit of uh, mm. uh, money, which is just on debt anyway. So you know, the debt crisis gets worse. Um, so I, no, I, I, maybe, economics, maybe I agree with you. I'm talking more culturally. You know, the government—it's the government's job now to make sure that you know you, you have the right number of people of different minorities working at your company, or it's the government's job. But now. I don't know that the government. You know how you know you, you mentioned Breitbart. You know the, the you know the politics in the book you do. Oh yeah, yeah, Sorry. So you you're. You know, politics is always, arguably, always behind culture. You know, so yes. You, you sort of, you, we're we're scrabbling around, but really the heavy lifting is done by what what, what goes on the in society mm. on the streets. Mm. And and I think that's why I don't know that I would agree with you that the the government setting these things. I mean, I look, I promise you, I uh, speak to a lot of Tories, a lot of Tory mates, and they are until a few years ago, you spoke about woke or progressive, rampant liberalism. Or what John Gray calls hate, hate by liberalism. You, know? uh, you must. I know you want to get him on it. I'm a massive fan of. Well, tell him to come I know. I know. Well, I don't know that well. Continues to refuse. I could. Yeah. All right. Well, I, well, well, I do know someone who knows him. I'll try. But so hyper Elizabeth, they, they, This is. They were until a few years ago. They didn't even know what it was. They didn't even know what was happening. Mm. They had no idea. Uh, I would say until about 07, 08. Oh, most, yeah, yeah. most of the Tories the, and the government didn't know something. So it couldn't have been from them. No, no. But the laws it, came in under Blair. Yeah. And that's what happened, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, and we are living with the legacy of that. This is one of the, the big concerns that I have is legally, we've embedded a lot of this crap into our legal system. And yeah. we are still, like you say, the tourists are still trying to work out what the hell happened. Well, they're, they're, they're innocent, Constantine. It's actually scary. They, oh, what's this wokery thing? You know, that's like, and they've caught up a little bit. Yeah. The smart ones like uh, I'm Kevin not sure I consider not... ignorance from a politician to be innocent. <laughs> well, no, well, maybe, maybe, maybe it's a crime. Maybe it's a crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, but genuinely, I felt sorry for them in some respects. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's, I'm going to go Brexit again. I, I remember speaking to government ministers just after the Brexit vote and thinking, God, you don't know what you're doing. Actually, you don't know why you did this. You have no idea what, you, what it was about. Mm. 
uh, you know, free trade liberals, you best better stay in the EU. Anyway, leave that aside. But yeah. so it's, it's actually, I think it's worse, arguably worse. That's why I wouldn't blame, I, I don't know the state in some of these areas is strong enough. I mean, in Eric, Kaufman, areas, I agree with in you. Eric Kaufman's project to try, and, to try and mandate free speech, and so mm. you lose your funding. Mm. I mean, our SCP policy is on arts, museums, cultural policy. You do any of this stuff, we'll just cut your funding, stop. You wouldn't get any funding. And that's the point I made to a lot of academics. And I say, how can the universities get away with it? And, and the brighter ones, the really good ones, say there's no consequences. <laughs> there aren't any consequences of doing this stuff. And I would say, until there are consequences, they will continue doing it. Human beings respond to incentives. They do, they do. And that's why, and, and just to get back to this, this question of sort of status appropriation hmm. and, uh, you know, and, and, and being worker than thou, Again, I don't think there will, until, you're, until you, you mention, a, I think this chapter two, isn't it, is a reality check, mm. you know. Until there is a, a reality check, until there's some consequence, most other societies around the globe cannot kick against. You go to Ghana or Turkey and start kicking against the, cu cu the culture publicly, see what happens. Mm. And maybe they just can't afford, it's not a luxury they can afford. And so maybe there has to be some sort of crisis and people get real about some of these things. I, I think the beauty of the West is is that there is a managed uh, way for the frustrations of the public about the way that the country is governed to be channeled. Uh, and that is what allows our societies to continue to make tremendous progress technologically, scientifically, culturally. Right? There's a reason that... It was always in there. No, I, I, yeah. it really irritates me when people say, oh, this has just been imported. A lot of it culturally has been imported. You know, the BLM mania, just yeah. that's, that, that was imported yeah. from the, the States. And people have said, you know, if, if George Floyd was, was white, you would never refer to him. Mm. Why do we know that's true? Because Tony, Tony Timper. Timper. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know it's true. Uh, but, but, you know, so that was a particular thing. But actually, in, in Western culture, this stuff goes all the way back. Oh yeah, but my, my point broadly, if you look at it more structurally, is the reason that democratic societies tend to do well is that they have a built-in mechanism to deal with people's discontent about the way that they're managed. Yeah. Uh, in a country like Russia, where I come from, there is no mechanism for doing that. You either submit to the, to the authority and get in line, or you get assassinated, forced out, exiled, you know, whatever. So, so the point about the beauty of the West is we have had a managed way to feed back people's concerns about what's going on into the system. And it's happening a little bit too slowly for my liking. So it's not that, you know, I'm not someone who, you know, the, this is where my differences with conservatives come in because uh, not only do I think change is inevitable, I, I think it's frequently necessary. Yeah. And yeah. one of the changes that I'd really like to see now is the wishes of the majority of the public be reflected in public policy. And you're not seeing that. So what we know, you know what we need? We need a political vehicle that does that. Yes. <laughs> that's no, so seriously, that's what I say to people. Because what, cause my life wouldn't be as interesting if I hadn't taken this on, this mm. job. But uh, it's a proper, you know, there's a lot of sacrifices, a lot of work and a lot of hard work and, and why are we doing it? And the fundamental reason we're doing it is that the, you know, the views in Parliament don't remotely reflect the views in, the, in no. society. No. And until you have, until you have a vehicle, we're, we're speaking from SW1, they're, you know, think tanks all over the place and journalists and academics and people doing papers and so you don't, that, until you have a vehicle that people can vote and put across in a polling booth, that's, you don't have any real mechanism to change it. You've got to, you've got to have a, something and get on. Yeah. And I think that's what, that's, that's, I totally well, agree with you. Well, myself and Francis, we're both big fans of what you guys do. I mean, from our perspective, 
we, we try to stay party independent in order to be able to do our job as, as well as we want to. But um, we really like what you guys are doing. We like a lot of your policies. Um, if you stood a candidate in my constituency, I may even vote for them. That'll be arranged. Yes. That'll be arranged. I'll <laughs> arrange. how, how well the SDP <laughs> would do in Tumbridge Wells, I don't know. But. I don't know. No, we've got a good little group. <laughs> Actually, Kent's pretty good for us. The yeah. South East is our biggest region, and it's bookended by Oxfordshire and Kent, yeah. which are really great, great groups. So we'll, we'll, we'll do our best. It, the thing, point problem is that it takes time. Yeah. You know, and it, it, is, it is the long march you, to social democracy. You can't. Mm. Uh, you can't do it. And no, actually, no one has done it overnight. It's never happened. No, no. Well, the point I'm making, you know, the Labour Party, Labour Committee, 20 years, post-war liberalism, 20 years, UKIP, 20 years. Da, 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 da. We, we might do it quicker than that, but it's, it's, it is a long, a long haul. Mm. Uh, but it's very necessary. Uh, I want to talk about the consequences of this stuff. So mm. we, t we talked about people getting cancelled and, and uh, lack of tolerance and debate. Uh, I think that's one of the first things. I think the, the, the progressive left is far worse than the right on this. I mean, they just they the the tendency for for them to demonise people for their opinions and say they're bad people. Uh, I, I just I, I'd love that to stop. I'm not sure it's going to stop. Mm. But you know, I, I every Friday, virtually every Friday, I can I have uh, sh share a, a few beers with with two friends. One's a Tory. One's a sort of Corbynist, a socialist. We're very close friends. Mm. We don't agree about politics. We never have. Mm. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. They're just the ability to, to talk freely. But the consequences, anyway, the consequences. I'm going to guess all of you are over the age of, I don't know, about 30, right? <laughs> yeah, we yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe that's, that's probably where that comes to that ability to discuss these things. Maybe it is, from. yeah. Maybe yeah. it is. I mean, we, we haven't, we, we, we've. You're a different generation. Things, we contest things vigorously. We just don't agree. I mean, yeah, we yeah. don't agree about something. We, and, and sometimes we're persuaded occasionally. But, but you know, broadly, our, our outlook on life is just different. You yeah. know, and that's fine. It's not a problem. And it's enriching for all of you to be having that conversation. Oh, it is. And it's the same as differences on, uh, you know, on, on religion. Where, you know, we go on holiday. We haven't been on because of the pandemic. We usually go, you know, for a weekend away somewhere. And I, I'll go to mass with my mm. uh, Augustinian friend. I'm not a believer. I love going to mass. Mm. But it's not, you know, Nick would go to the pub. He'd be watching rugby or something, getting drunk. In a bit. But it's just different. But yeah, no, just the ability to not to take it personally. Yes. Is, is the thing. But the con I think the consequences are there. So the, we, the consequences are there in public life and cancellation things. But I think there are massive consequences for what's happening in the West, uh, sort of macro scale. So, well, obviously. Yeah, so, and, and, and so I think the, the ability, you talk in the book about the fact that we're inclined, progressives are uh, inclined to be far too generous about other cultures. They just can't, there's a taboo, isn't there, on criticizing mm -hmm. another culture. It's not done, no matter what it is, even if it's slavery or whatever, you can't. You can't bring it up, um, but the consequence of that and the sort of atmosphere of atonement, the West's in this period of having to atone constantly for its past, uh, is, I think, politically, that you can't control your border. I think I would genuinely say that the the what's happening on the south coast in Kent uh, and more generally on immigration is is a consequence of of, of politicians simply not being able to say. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind a border, actually. Border's quite a good idea. Most people do mm. want a border, but you're, you're in the situation where, no, if you, if you go to universities, um, having the idea of having, an, having a border is, is considered actually quite racist. Yeah. And this is because... But that's insane. Well, we've conflated um, emotion and emotionally based thinking with practical problems. Uh, and you, we have to be uh, we have to be willing to disentangle. First of all, I think the most powerful way to have this conversation is to take the illegal immigration 
and separate it from legal immigration first mm. and foremost. Mm. So uh, you can believe that five million people should be welcome to Britain every single month under a visa program and still believe that what's happening on the south coast is completely wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's not about immigration. It's about do you have a border that is enforced and every country needs a border, mm. uh, particularly a highly densely populated country like this but that doesn't even matter you may disagree with me on that you may think we need loads of immigration and it, it should be you know as open as possible and whatever fine we can have a democratic conversation about that nobody in this country William voted to have people come into this country illegally on dinghies nobody no one. there's not a single person that that ran on that platform we no. did not vote for somebody no. like that no. and just like with Brexit you say I'm a Remainer we'll accept that I was very, very strident that mm. the wishes of the public that they voted for must be followed because we live in a democracy. Mm. And this is the same thing mm. with the illegal immigration issue. Mm. Nobody voted for that. Mm. And we have to see the wishes of the public as they're democratically expressed, I'm, I'm reflected in policy. It's not, it's not oh, rocket science. You, no, you do. You, and, and actually, I, the, the Tories have traded on this and they do on many different issues, you know, family, they're, they're pro-family and tiny little six weeks of the, in five years, they'll say something nice about the family and they have to do nothing about it. Um, but all of these, it is downstream of culture in that if you, if you, if any idea of, of, of the strength of common bonds that we have as a nation is, is taboo, if you can't say, I mean, David Goodhart's brilliant on this, you know, the idea of, of national citizen preference, just the idea that you might actually look after your own citizens first. That's quite a contested view. It's certainly contested in the academy. It's even contested in the civil service. A lot of civil servants just don't believe that. Mm. And I think these are the consequences, these are the really big consequences of losing some of these cultural battles and sort of just, just not being able to be fair. I mean, you, your book, I think, is brilliant on the question of fairness. The one, what I've written down is backstory, ignorance, unfairness. Yeah. Because unfairness, uh, it, it's, it's seen by some that to be unfair, to, to judge us by totally different criteria to anyone else, mm. Is legitimate. Yeah. Well, I obviously don't agree with that at all. But if we stick with the, the point about illegal immigration, uh, I, I people are allowed to have the wrong opinion about it, mm. and that's fine. People can you know wrong to, according to me and you. Mm. That's absolutely fine. My point is, whatever the opinions people have, we have to look. A society needs laws that are enforced, and that I mean, this is another issue with the way our police are at the moment, but. Mm. On, on, on every scale, whether that's micro or macro, society has to have, we have to be a nation of laws. People mm. have to follow the law. And if your first act of coming into this country is breaking the law, I, I, I don't see that as you being you know, an important contributor to this country. By the way, there are people who've come to this country as asylum seekers who've gone on to make a brilliant contribution. And, mm. and I do think uh, we should have a genuine conversation about how many of those people we want oh, coming no, we'd, here we'd have better. and what are the circumstances under which they come. But people coming in the backs of lorries and on dinghies in a mass scale is a problem. And I don't care if anyone says it's racist or whatever. It's a fact. Yeah. We have to have laws. The laws have to be enforced. The country needs a border and nobody voted for it. By mm. the way, this is what I always say. If the people of this country vote for a politician who runs on a platform of ending border enforcement, well, I'll probably go somewhere else, but no, but they, but, 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 that's, they, that's, but they're entitled that's, to that that's, democratic that's the, view. But that's the frustrating thing, Constantine, because because they the Tories ran on the very, people voted in good yeah. faith, and if you read the manifesto, and it's my job to read it, tens I of thousands. Tell, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. But they said no. We we will have control. We, we our, our system, you know, leaving the EU will yeah. give us control over our borders. 
Well, they evidently haven't got control over the borders, and there no. seems to be no willingness or, or will desire to yeah. do it. But my point is that I think all of this stuff. I think the, the, the where we are with this stuff is is is, is downstream of, of just losing of not being able to stand up at all for your position. You're not you're not able to say, well, actually, we don't want this. And actually, if you go to somewhere like the Australia, I mean, um, Howard won mm. an election famously on that. Uh, you know, we will decide who enters this country and under what circumstances. Mm -hmm. Won an election on it, uh, democratic, and actually they they. They actually put it into practice. They actually do what they said. What people are fed up with here, with with these zombie parties we have, they say things and they just they just. Renate, well, why don't they? Why don't they implement it? This is what I don't understand. Because, like, what, what's stopping them from? Do you know? Do you know what's stopping the them? Because if you're the the, they're not being honest with the public of what they have to do. They have to get out of the fifty-one refugee convention, leave it. Because mm -hmm. you, if you're in that, you cannot. If anyone turns up. The, you know, it's arguable. It's actually pretty. Patel says they're illegal. A lot of lawyers say they're not illegal, uh, and you have to, you know, get out of the European Convention as well. You have to get out of both and restart the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I would, and, and that is for most most politicians in uh, there. You know, the parliamentary parties, the Labour Party, and the Lib Dems, and the Tories, they're not that different. They all went to the same schools. They went to the same universities. They think largely the same things. It you, to be honest about that and say you need to withdraw it and have a reset. And you, you have to have a rule which is, sounds brutal, but it, it would stop, certainly would stop deaths at sea, which is that anyone arriving unsolicited will have zero chance. Nick Timothy says that, we say that, Migration Watch say that, Al mm. says that's the only thing. And you say, quite rightly, people respond to incentives, that is the only thing that will stop the cross-channel thing. If you did that, then you could go to war zones, UN refugee camps, and, and select families, women and children, and say, actually, you're more deserving. Than the than largely fit young men that, that rock up, and and the political class cannot do that. I get so frustrated. We are on a lot of these things. You have to blame our trumpet, but the, we are ahead of thinking. And they sometimes they occasionally steal their policy, but a lot of these things they're just slow learners, and it's going to take a long time. But they have to wait until it gets to seventy thousand, eighty thousand a year of, of illegal arrivals. Eighty percent men. You know, a lot of them are Albanians. Mm. Uh, the, what's the justification? I mean, it's it's insane. Well, eventually they'll run out of Albanians. Well, that's what's happening. <laughs> no, that's what's happening. No, it's crazy. So you know, I, I think these are the these are the consequences when a state, when in public discourse you can't you can't stand up for your state. You're getting to the stage where it's it's actually rotting, you know, culturally, and you, you're not you're not able to defend your interests. And when you, and when, when you when you try and defend your interests, you're yeah, what I find odd with the Tories, though, is having had a, a significant majority, particularly, I mean, look, COVID obviously ruined their ability to, to implement their policies quite a bit, yeah. but they still have a majority. And what's more important, I think, is when we're talking about these policies, they have a majority in the country. So it's almost like the leader of the Conservative Party is more concerned about what the 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 Guardian electorate thinks but remember, than they are about what the country thinks. But that's true, but that's partly because the leader of the Tory party until recently is a, a, is a, is a liberal. I mean, it's not, it's not just that he, he acts liberal, obviously, mm -hmm. in his own life, acts like a liberal, but um, he, you know, by all accounts... Extremely sexually liberal. Yeah, no, but he, he is a liberal anyway. He's, he's never been fussed. He was a, he, when he was mayor, he was talking about an amnesty and things. So he's, mm. he's never been fussed on this issue. Um, he was actually a member of the SDP. He, he joined the SDP to become Oxford Union president.
became president and then uh, he wasn't kicked out but I'm not sure we have him back but anyway <laughs> he, he you know the, yeah he's we haven't had a prime minister where it's all lined up and I agree with you if you have a majority if you have a massive majority a landslide it's a unique situation to do something long term for the country or sort of reset something because that's your chance you can whip your your big majority and get it through and uh, Blair I think uh, you know with his majority had a wonderful opportunity to say to have a nuclear power program, do something sensible. And so mm. went to war. You know, so it's, it's, he blew it. Mm. Absolutely blew it. So it's a tragedy. Um, I want to talk about journalism because there's a section in your book about about journalism, and, and um, uh, you mentioned you know coverage bias and and journalists as activists. This is this is getting worse, isn't it? I think it is. I'm 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 wondering whether I, I don't think we're going to go back to where no. we were in and in, in in the whatever imaginary world. I don't. We'd all like to, to pretend we will. I think actually the fragmentation of the media market is the thing that's going to happen uh, and then it will be followed by a period of consolidation again. So the, the Joe Rogans and the, the Dave Rubens and the trigonometries and the whatever will probably become the new New York Times and the new you know, Guardian and whatever. We will mm. build our own. Mm. You know, the Daily Wire is a very good They can't model. stop you doing it and it's happening. Yeah. yeah, and the Daily Wire in America are a good example. Now, they're obviously on, firmly on the right and they've got their own political agenda. But I think that's the direction things are going to move in because I always say this, the currency of the internet is authenticity. Mm. Uh, and television, newspapers, they, they lack the ability to deliver that. Mm. The internet allows you to be authentic. And so I think the future of journalism is more people like us, frankly, and I appreciate this is a very self-serving belief, but I do, I do genuinely. Well, I believe in what we're doing with the SDP. And yeah. You obviously believe what you're doing. Yeah. 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 And I think the future is that you're going to see people who who are honest about what they think, yeah. who are clear about the partisanship to the extent that it exists, uh, who are open to having an old-school conversation with people. Uh, and they are going to be the people who are having that. And by the way, I probably include Navarra Media, who are you know extremely yeah, no, that I disagree with. They, they will be the same. Yeah, those will be the forces that are shaping shaping the world going forward. I'm afraid the sort of buttoned up 1960s BBC journalism, where factual, you just get told what happened, and yeah, then you're yeah. allowed to think for yourself what you want to think about it. I don't think that's coming back anytime soon. Mm. I think technology has fractured that market entirely, and so. So we're just selecting. So the trouble, the problem with is that we're just selecting largely. I mean, the echo yeah. chamber that you want to hear from. Having said that, you know, one of the things that we certainly try to to do with because look, everybody evolves over time, and and once you know, when you have a lot of followers that watch what you do, like as we do now, you feel as there's a weight of responsibility on you to to be a healthy contributor to to the conversations that mm -hmm. are going on. So from our perspective, we are trying to make sure that. We're not just feeding you the well, stuff you already believe. One of the yeah, but one of the beauties of your of trigonometry is that you're actually you and Francis disagree about quite a lot. Or you, well, you, I get the sense that you have slightly different angles on things. So you're not, you know, that's that's that improves the dynamic of the conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. we're always there's a lot of you know t tug and pull in different directions about you know what do we speak about next and who do we talk to about this and who do we talk to about mm. that. So I think we hold each other to account mm. well enough, and and that's why you know we love doing what we do talking to different people and and so i think as we go forward 
it's going to be up to people like us mm. to be, you know, we're going to be a bigger and bigger force. I think the power of the TV particularly and, and less so radio, I think TV in particular will be dim diminishing, mm. newspapers probably also. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's how I see the future of it and that, that's exciting to me. Mm. Uh, I do wish that we could press a button and go back uh, to, to what you would hope was objective and fact-based journalism in the 1960s. Maybe if we went back we'd find it was all controlled by the, you know. I think it's probably, I, yeah, actually you, you read culturally, you read people's accounts, particularly on the left of the uh, 1920s, 30s, actually the press barons were hated, you know. They, they, right. so, yeah, so they, 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 there was never a sense that they had a free, no. uh, free run. But so I, in, a, in a sense, I suppose that's what, I d it's a little bit depressing that it polarizes so much. And actually we, you know, so we're not, we're, we're, are we interested? I mean, you're, you're, I think the, what you and Francis have done is open the long form proper discussion where you can really, it, it can't, I, it drives me nuts. I, I, I always hated doing bites, you know, mm. political bites, mm. two, two minutes or something. It's very difficult to do it. You can't really, I mean, you can say something superficial, but you can't, mm. you can't really get into anything. No. And I, I, you know, I think what you've done there has been absolutely fantastic. But it, it does frustrate me that, uh, you know, I mean, the, 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 the coverage that the SDP gets is, is you know, it's, it's largely talk radio and, uh, and uh, GB News. Uh, and and I've been on, I've done how many interviews have I done with the BBC in the last five years? Five. Mm. It's very difficult to get on. Yeah. I mean, it's not they don't. I don't think it's conspiracy. I mean, some of the producers want to get us on actually, mm -hmm. but then they don't have a hook, and then you've got this sort of thing about you know, well, if you get you on, you've got to get them on. So it's difficult. But I I, I think it wasn't the thing that frustrates me about say the BBC is is not so much the question of of, of, of as you describe it, activism or, or lying even. I mean, you know. It's just the coverage bias. It's just what they won't cover, what they do cover. Mm. They just refuse to cover some very important things. Uh, some of the things are quite, you know, depressing and hard. To, you know, the grooming gang scandal. Yep. They didn't want to. They don't want to go there. No. Some they prefer to say someone looked at someone in a funny way on a tube train, and that's the headline of thing. And well, that's so. Or would they do what they did, which is find the most polarizing, toxic figure who's talking about the issue of grooming gangs and bring them on in order to call them a racist or a thug or whatever, yeah. which may have some legitimacy, by the way. Yeah, right? but, you, but, you, but the point is, you, you spoke to victim. Yeah, you yeah. interviewed a victim. No, and this is my point, is that, but there were plenty of people they could have interviewed about grooming gangs who would have given them a completely different perspective, but they didn't, didn't want to cover it. Didn't want to cover it. So, uh, and I think, actually, certainly at the BBC, that's just groupthink. And as someone who used to do radio slots for them and this and that when you go into the bbc you just look around you talk to people for three minutes and you understand why it's happening yeah you know, i remember i was doing radio at the bbc this late it doesn't lecture. occur to them does it no no yeah. exactly it, right. it, you know it's like they don't discriminate against people like us in the same way that i don't discriminate against vegan food it's, i just know it's terrible and i don't eat it do you it'll, know what i mean it'll kill so, you. <laughs> and, and this is how they think about us it's yeah. exactly the same uh, we, we, we're just terrible and not should not be on there to the extent that they can keep us off it. But you've uh, got it, yeah. But it's, it's, it's so frustrating. But, but my point is, it's not. It's they're not discriminating. They they just they just know that they're in the right, mm. and that's because they only employ people who think like them. Mm. And and so so it's not active discrimination so much. It's just if you employ if if you pursue diversity of skin instead of diversity of opinion this is where you end up and and of course you you know this full well uh we do not live in a world anymore where rod little could be heavily involved in making the today program on the no. bbc and yet there was a time that feels about two minutes ago when that was happening 
Um, and it's not, I don't think, because Rod's changed particularly, because I don't think he no, has. No, he hasn't changed at all. <laughs> no, he hasn't. They've changed. <laughs> that, 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 that probably is the problem from their yeah. point of view. Yeah. So, so this is my point, is if you increasingly only employ people who think as you do, you will end up in a position where you're not, you're not bringing in diverse voices only because it does not even occur to you to do no, so. No, it doesn't occur to them. No, I agree with that. And, 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 and in that respect, I think, to go back to that word I used before, some of it probably is a little bit innocent, but they don't think they're doing bad. They just, mm. It doesn't occur to them. They, they, the, uh, you know, again, after Brexit, it's the easiest thing to, to, to talk about on, on this. Uh, the Tim Harford, the BBC economics guy and writes for the FT, uh, admitted that on the morning after, you know, when it happened, he said didn't know anyone about Brexit. Didn't know anyone, you know. I mean, he'd never spoken to his mechanic. <laughs> What's he doing? Probably not. No, probably not. So the point is, it's like you know, it, it, there, there you go. I don't know. I don't know what you do. I, I'm just, I'm just oh, a little frustrated. I, there's, about a, there's only one answer to it, William. I mean, you have to stop clinging to the idea that this is the way to do anything in this world. And just change it. And you, then you have to do it yourself. <clears throat> this is the world we live in now. The, the power of technology is awesome. It is terrible too, and mm. it's ruining lives on a daily basis. But we're going to have to get to grips with it in the same way that people before us had to deal with previous technological revolutions, the invention of the printing press, tore society apart for two centuries. We have to adjust to the new reality, and the new reality is if you want to build something, you finally, for the first time in human you history, you can do it. You can do it. Yeah, no, I, it's the same. And if two idiot comedians can yeah, do it, like no, 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 I, 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 that's the, the way. There's obviously some magic there. <laughs> but the, yeah, I mean, it's the same politically. We, we, they can't stop us doing a good election in particular places. We can't do a good election everywhere. But where we do, we won an important one in May against the Labour Party. And we got more, we've been out after that seat for 30,000 people as a big mm -hmm. part of Leeds. We were after it for sort of five years, finally got it. When we got it, we got it big. Absolutely, we got more votes than all the other parties put together. And they, you know, the, the Yorkshire Post said it was the most shocking result in Leeds political history. Never mm -hmm. seen it before. Had they been paying more attention, they'd have seen we were going to win. We didn't know, but I always say to the team, they can't stop us doing this. You start looking after people, this is what you could build a civilization on what they're doing in their community. Mm. Literally, you speak to them, that's, they're onto it straight away. We'll sort that out, clean that up, deal with this, mm -hmm. speak to the officers all the time. So we, we've got a very hard working team and they, they, the beauty of it is they can't stop us doing it. So I'm very optimistic about what we're doing. Um, before we finish, I want to talk about your trip to the States because mm. you, you, you and Francis had a, looked as if it was a wonderful time, very exciting. And you spoke to Sam Harris. Sam Harris. Bill Burr. Yes. Great. I love Bill Burr. He was in a film uh, that I watched that my son, my other son showed me about a, 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 a fire officer in, in, I think it was Staten Island or something. Yes. Have you seen the film? Uh, I have heard about it. He's a really good actor, not just, I mean, not just a comedian, but he's fantastic and perfect for that. And then of course, Joe Rogan. Yeah. Tell me about that. Uh, that was really great. Um, we spoke for like four and a half hours with him. We're going to get a neon sign. <laughs> well, you're going to have to get the weed out because uh, yeah. he, he brought that out halfway through, which loosened yeah. the tongues uh, and made it all philosophical. But yeah, it, it's, um, it shows you, you know, one of the most inspiring things about America was seeing what's possible. Mm. You know, the Joe Rogans, you know, and there were other people whose politics maybe I agree with less, but just turning up and seeing that a guy on YouTube basically He's got a, a gigantic compound, employs, you know, dozens of people, is creating incredible content. This is one of the things that I've been most proud of in terms of what we've built with trigonometry here in the mm. UK is, you know, I'm a first generation immigrant, Francis, uh, half from a, an immigrant background as well. And mm. yet here we are, started not just from nothing, but from less than nothing. You mm. know, we were putting our own money that we didn't have into the show. 
and yet we managed to make it so that now we employ in total 10 people, mm. most of them you know, from the UK. Uh, we, we've got, we're actually not only giving people a job where they and are look, living. And actually your productivity way, look at what you're doing with 10 people. Yeah. And look what the BBC is doing with. with yeah, well, quite. Uh, and and w those people uh, are not only, not only are they earning a modest salary, which mm. allows them to live on, but, mm. but they're doing a meaningful job that they love. Mm. And I, as an immigrant, I'm deeply proud of that because I think that is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to come over to mm. the country, make the most of the skills and talents that you possess mm. and contribute to the society from which you come. I think mm. that's really, really important. So when I see people in America who are doing that, but on a much bigger scale, mm. who are employing more people, they're creating more opportunities. Mm. I mean, Joe Rogan is literally, you know, the reason that we do what we, like if he didn't do what we do, we wouldn't exist because mm. there would be no example for us. Yeah, to, I, model, I, I yeah. don't yeah. claim that I would have come up with the idea without seeing that inspiration first. Mm. So being over there and, and seeing... And he's been very kind and helpful, hasn't he? Well? He has been. Yeah. I mean, he's a great guy. Mm. And, uh, you know, one of the things I really didn't appreciate is how community, this will be interesting for you and your audience, is how mm. community orientated he is. Mm. You know, for, for a guy who is like, you know, pro-freedom and pro-this and pro-that, actually what he's trying to do is build a community of like-minded people in Austin. They're not, they're not, sometimes these ideas are perceived to be intentional. Not, you, freedom, mm. ha you have responsibility for yeah. freedom, you know, it's living yeah. free. As yeah. you say, it's trade-offs and uh, you know, as John yeah. Gray would say, there's, you know, you don't get light without shade. There's always something else, you know, so yeah. no, it doesn't surprise me at all. But, he's but, been under pressure, hasn't he? I mean, with, uh, Hey, this is what I realized, you know, because Francis and I, we people like to have a go at us and people in the comedy world have a go at us and whatever. And then I was like, I was sitting there across from Joe Rogan and I was going, yeah, maybe I don't have it so bad because this guy's literally getting dragged on Twitter by the government. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. by the US government. Yeah. Like yeah. maybe we don't have it so bad. But equally though, man, it's like the opportunity to build something really, really special. Mm. It's just easier there. It just mm. is. You know, mm. they, they have what are the reasons for that. Uh, land's cheaper. That's one of the reasons. Oh, you mean just yeah, cost? Just in a practical thing. In a yeah, practical yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. I also think culturally they have an attitude where, uh, you, you know how much I love this country. Mm. I, you know, I've always been one of its most strongest advocates, I think, and really passionate. But also I do think we do have a little bit of a tall poppy syndrome attitude yeah. in, in Britain in a way that they don't. And in that America, exists in Australia as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's something about the former glory of the empire. Like we've been there, we've done it. Now it's time to, you know, let's not talk about how great we are anymore. There's a little bit of that going on. In America, they're like, you want to go for it? We're going to help you. Mm. you good see, for you. Good yeah, for you. Yeah, we yeah. see you doing yeah. well. Here's, here's, here's a hand up. Mm. Like you're crushing it. Great. Let's get you along to mm. this. Let's. Mm. So that's another reason, I think. Mm. And a third reason, from certainly from our perspective, there's a bigger audience out there. There's more people, you know. Um, so, the, w but Francis and I feel very strongly about actually being in being in Britain, remaining here, and contributing to the conversation, at least in the medium term, because. Mm. Some of the issues that we're talking about that are actually really important. I mean, we've seen only in the last few weeks, William, as you know, a few wins against this awful, awful gender ideology mm. that I think to a lot of people was quite theoretical, but it mm. wasn't to me because no. the moment I understood that this was young children being brainwashed into having medical, irreparable harm, irreparable harm. Yeah. Francis, particularly with him being a teacher, he's seen mm. kids and I always knew that I was going to have kids and I have a little three month old boy now. Um, you know, when I think about what was happening 
I think that was a real, real problem. And we're now starting to see, you know, the Tavistock Clinic not only shut down by being sued now okay, by I thousands feel. of parents, and, and yeah. good for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, we see Maya Forstarter, Alison Bailey, all of these mm. things. I feel in a, in a very small way, good we contributed yeah. to that conversation. And there are yeah. other conversations that we now well, have there was the a time when you, There was a time when you, you, you feel like you're the only person doing it. Yeah. Uh, when BLM mania came along, we, yeah. we I mean, they all, it, 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 it sort of just washed over the whole of the, particularly the Anglo world. Ang- Aris Rusinos says it's the, you know, linked to sort of North Sea Protestantism. Mm. And he may be right about that, something about that. Uh, and a lot of progressivism is, is, is strongly linked to that. But it washed over. So, and all I said, actually, Ben Copley was doing SDP talk at the time. And I said to Ben, oh, we'll, we'll just have a look at this BLM program, just as we would treat it as any other political program and actually read it and say mm. what you think about mm. it. So Ben did a piece on, on that and just said it's, it's, it's not very good, <laughs> you know, it's anti-family and mm. it's sort of, you know, you know Marxist uh, on economics and it's certainly anti-Western and quite possibly racist. You mm. know? So he just critically a- analysed it. And that, that piece... I'm sure that went down well. Oh, it, well, funny enough, it, no, but we were the only, at the time, I promise you, we were the only people saying these yeah. things. Everyone, you know, few, and if you wanted to... We were saying, you, know, you were saying, yeah, you were a yeah. tiny minority. Yes. And then I wrote the second piece, which was the easier piece, Ben did the heavy lifting. I did mm. a piece about civilised toleration, which mm. I mentioned on your show, yeah. which is the issue. You cannot, you cannot live in a very diverse society without having the, the appreciation that you've got to deal with differences. You must be tolerant, tolerant of differences because there are going to be differences mm. for various reasons. Mm. So, no, at, at that time, we, we, just, we just felt, you know, with, with anyone doing it. But yeah. then, as you say, the atmosphere changes and actually on, on, uh, on trans issues and, uh, and Tavistock and things, yeah, it's, it's come around. You say actually... There's other things as well, uh, you know, f- from our perspective that we fought very hard over. I, I don't think that we particularly won. Uh, we, we sort of prevented a disaster in the end. But some of the over government overreach when it came to COVID and yeah. COVID related restrictions. Um, I must say I was very, you know, if I'm allowed to say this as a sort of first generation, I was very disappointed in my fellow Brits. Yeah, yeah. no, And, I, I, and I'm not even talking about the government, I'm talking about the people. Yeah, yeah. The, the public support for what I felt were just completely disproportionate. Total acquiescence fell over and approved it and loved it. And But, but yeah. there's lots of reasons for that. I mean, it was very disappointing. And again, as a small political party, we had to navigate this thing and we tried our hardest to, to you know, be evidence-based and sensible, but that led us to, we supported the first lockdown. Mm. And after That's that, after that, we said, actually, no, I, I don't support this. And the reason I didn't support it was a very simple one, which was that I genuinely, after looking at the, 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 the macro picture, I thought that the, the lives lost in the long term, as a direct result of the suppression measures, uh, would be greater than the lives saved on COVID, and I'm sure about that, and there's going to be papers about that in the future, but you were Cassandra by then, we won't want to know about it, but at the time we made the point, there was a time when it was Mike Graham's show, and a lot of people were doing it uh, on that, but it wasn't the mainstream position to no. criticise it, but it was true. I, you know, I, I know people yeah. that have lost their lives because of that. Yes. Uh, so, you know, yeah, you... you so that's another battle. My, my point do, is... Do what's battle- right. Yeah, my point is there are still battles that Francis and I feel that we can contribute to here. And in a way that probably we couldn't if we were in the U.S. And so, while as I said, it's it's very um, it's very 
flattering mm. when someone like Joe Rogan says, why don't you come and live in Austin? Uh, and Austin is awesome, by the way. Yeah, no, my, my eldest loves it. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's traveling there. I also yeah. feel, you know, there's a duty as well. You know, I, I've made my home here. My family lives you, here for a long time. You, you, everyone's got to work out their own thing. People, you know, my, my wife's an immigrant foreign national. My kids have been migrants. All over, you know, so, you know, people work, work out their own thing. I, I, to use Goodhart's thing, I'm, I'm a sort of anywhere with somewhere sympathies. Mm. So I think you have to you know, think about yeah. where, you, where, yeah. you, where you're at the time. One final question. Yes, go for it. What does Joe Rogan and I have in common? What do Joe Rogan and I have in common? You could both kill me with your bare hands. We've both interviewed Constantine. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode of STP Talks, a series of conversations with politicians, academics, authors, and public intellectuals. If you'd like to be updated when new episodes of STP Talks go live, make sure to subscribe or follow us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you're interested in learning more about the Social Democratic Party, do make sure to head over to our website at stp.org.uk. Thanks for listening.